Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone. This is your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies, where we watch a forgotten comic book superhero movie and decide, does this belong in the Phantom Zone or out in the world for everyone to rewatch and remember fondly? My name is Arnaldo. Last week, we forgot to introduce ourselves Whoops. again because Blake was distracting us in the chat. So my name is Arnaldo. I'm your host, and I'm joined, as always, with Birdo, the other host. My co-host, yeah. All right, so Birdo, what movie are we watching today? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 from 1993. Yes, there is no subtitle. It's so funny we were talking about this. The previous movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, had a subtitle, The Secret of the Ooze. And I feel like once you do that... You have to keep doing it, You got to right? keep doing it. You can't go back to just being like, all right, we're just doing numbers. You know, there's like a continuity <laughs> in like the format. You well, know what we'll I mean? see next week that they drop the number <laughs> well that is true yeah marvel now like the mcu basically is all subtitles for everything yeah the only exception really being the iron man movies yeah because those were kind of the and first i guess sequels. guardians but they yeah. do like volume one volume two like they made it like a music uh, thing yeah you're right so as usual we watch movies almost in their entire franchises limit four <laughs> right so we did <laughs> batman was four movies this is four movies yeah. Any more than that, we might have to break them up a little bit. But So we did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, last week. Um, those episodes are available. The Secret of the Ooze just went available today. But I guess by the time this goes out, it's not like <laughs> it's going to be like 10 days Wh- before. Wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, it is. Wherever you consume everywhere. your podcasts. So that episode, we did the whole fucking ninja rap, people. So I don't know what more you want from us. <laughs> uh, we broke the song down. Well, we don't have one Go in this check- movie to break down. So Go check that out. Also, guys, we record our episodes live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash films from PZ. We're doing that right now. We have my wife in the chat. <laughs> She's also watching Band of Brothers. So this is apparently her favorite show. Don't know how that works out. She usually watches things like Pretty Little Liars and Vampire Diaries. And then she's like, oh, no, Band of Brothers is my favorite show. It's a very serious World War II, like, epic show. So, yeah, we record these live on Twitch. If you guys want to be part of the podcast, uh, we're here on Monday nights. Come hang out. You can be part of the discussion, part of the conversation. If you can talk in the chat, things that we think might be interesting, we might leave in. Twitch.tv slash films from PZ. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 is available on HBO Max. Very easy to watch. Watch along. And as far as we know, it's like just a part of HBO Max, so it shouldn't... It'll um, always be there, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So time code's in the description. We're going to go, if you want to jump around, but we're going to go through our initial expectations, the plot... What do you have to We're gonna <laughs> we talk about it. Yeah, we're gonna talk about. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, we're gonna analyze it to the best of our abilities before we get into keep or cancel, and then we decide if it's gonna go in the Phantom Zone or not. But before we get started with that, Berto, I've got a new segment for you. Are you ready for it? Okay. It's called things we missed in the last in the last episode. <laughs> All right. Things we missed or fucked up in the last episode. How about that? So I got a whole <laughs> list. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many things last week that we were like, oh, we should fact check that. And then afterwards, I'm editing the episode and I'm like, oh, yeah, we we dropped the ball there. So I got a couple things here. You ready? Yeah. Ernie Reyes, 
who played Kino in that last movie. He was a stuntman in the first one. Sweet. I was right. Yeah, you were right. And then they, I guess they liked him and they offered him an actual role. And he was like, okay. In the second one, yeah. Luckily, he is not in this third movie because I didn't like him very much. <laughs> okay, so number two, we were talking about the history of the Ninja Turtles with specifically like a band. Like, were they a band? Or are they a rock band or whatever? And I was like, oh, yeah, I had the toys. Like, in some way, they were like a band. Do you remember talking about this? Yeah. So what it was were two different things that I've conflated. Number one, there was a turtle like theater show, like a rock show that okay. went on tour um, oh. shortly after the first movie came out. Sponsored by Pizza Hut. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, it was a, They put a lot of money into it. And basically the turtles had a rock band. They all had cool outfits. And the shredder was trying to like... I don't know. Ruin destroy their music. music. Yeah, like destroy rock and roll or something what like that. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is really interesting video of of this. Um, I will link it below because it's it's such a weird thing that happened. But also, at the same time, <laughs> the company that's making the toys because you can only sell like four Ninja Turtle toys, and that's kind of all the characters, right? A couple bad guys: April, yeah. Splinter, Shredder. You know, Bebop Rocksteady. In order to make more toys, they would just kind of keep on putting them in different outfits and be like, hey, this is the Turtles as whatever. That's and the thing w- that still happens today with exactly. toys. There was a series of uh, Ninja Turtle toys where and, like, they were like in a rock band and okay. they all had, they all represented a different era in like rock music. So okay. in like their outfits and in their instruments. And so one was like a classic like uh, hair rock band. Hair metal? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then, like, one was more reggae rock. One was a punker <laughs> with, like, a mohawk. Oh and one was, like, I think Michelangelo was, like, a rapper, like a rock rapper. I can see like that. Nice. Oh, man. And he had a big Flavor Flav clock <laughs> chain. So remember, like, Flavor Flav, he's from the 90s. Like, yeah. He just kind of gained more popularity through, like, reality TV in the 2000s. Thanks, MTV. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and VH1. And VH1. Um, yeah. So that's where I, I got those things. But I was watching the Ninja Turtles TV show from the 80s. And in episode two, they dress up as 80s hip hop dudes as disguises because they had to like be on the street. And they got like a boom box and sunglasses and like big jackets and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> to hide their turtleness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's another one. We said Frank Walker was the third highest grossing actor. That's not true because like it's like RDJ and The Rock and. Right. Uh, some other people. Frank Walker is the third highest grossing actor because his movies ha- are the third highest grossing. Okay. So, you know, like, I think the even The Rock might have been up there, too, because... He's in everything. Mo- and Zoe Saldana is in there because the movies that she in, it, Avatar, are in... It's just like Endgame, Avatar, Endgame, Infinity War, The top War, movies, like, Guardians, of all time. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. She's in all of the big movies. Star Trek. <laughs> so... The movies that he's in has grossed the third most because he's in like 800 movies. Basically. Okay. That's where that comes from. It doesn't take into account how much money he gets paid. Unfortunately, he probably doesn't get paid nearly as much as some of those other actors. Gotcha. And then my favorite one, we left out this fun little tidbit of trivia. When Vanilla Ice first arrived on the movie set, Michelin Sisti, who was the stunt actor in the Michelangelo suit, Went up to Vanilla Ice to give him a hug and welcome him on, on board the movie. Right. But Vanilla Ice's bodyguard stiff-armed him and 
nearly 18 of the actors and stuntmen, including like the other turtles right. in their full turtle like outfits, went up to like defend him. And there was almost a brawl between Vanilla Ice's like bodyguards and the actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> in their costumes. And we were robbed of this. Damn, because, that like, would have been cool. Like the stunt director broke it up. <sighs> One of the turtles, Daniel Piscina, later told in an online interview, and he said that Vanilla Ice's bodyguards almost got their butt kicks because <laughs> these are also like like the stunt men and stuff. Like, right? They they can fight. Right. <laughs> and there's more than of them. Yeah. But that would have been awesome. <laughs> like if that could have been on film somewhere. I feel like uh, his bodyguards being a little overzealous. Yeah, like you're you're it, on the set of the movie. Like chances are, another worker on the movie isn't gonna attack you, right? And not only that, here's this very friendly looking kids icon, you know, yeah, coming to like give Vanilla Ice a hug. Like, hey, he's welcome. Like, he's about to like deck him. <laughs> so fuck that guy. <laughs> so that's it. But hopefully, in the future, I feel like Vanilla Ice is like, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> don't touch me, bro. Hopefully next time we don't have to do too much shit we missed in the last episode. So we can move on right into the actual movie. Initial expectations. You want to go? What were you expecting for this movie? Uh, Yeah. So I might have seen this one as a kid. If I did, I didn't really remember it. But like I've always heard this was the worst out of like all of them. So eh, pretty low expectations going in. Same. I think I said this last week that this is the film that I remember the least of because it was the one that I watched... The least of out of all three of them. Right. The first two I watched a lot as a kid, played them on repeat. And this one I probably saw a handful of times and then just never again. So like going into this, I didn't remember a single thing about this movie other than like the main premise is that they go to like feudal Japan. Right. And I remember the scepter. MacGuffin. Okay. I remember that being a thing. And that's kind of it. So there were a lot of things in this movie that genuinely like surprised me. Uh, and certain imagery, and you see something. It's like you were talking about last week with the donuts. You saw the donuts, and you're like, "Oh my god, I remember this." Yeah, like something clicks. You know that happened a couple times in this movie, but not enough for to where like I knew what was going to happen next. Right. But I know I was expecting this to be by far the worst of the three because that's what I had heard. Yeah. Um, spoiler: like I didn't find this that much worse than any of the other movies or, or the second one we said the, the first yeah. one was clearly the best one right no, but I thought I, overall, i'd say they're like kind of just on par with each other the second and third i feel like are about the same yeah. in in terms of quality although there were things i liked in this one a lot better than the second one like how there were themes there are themes there's <laughs> weapons like a lot of things that we didn't like about the second one this one had right although there were some other things that maybe it did worse yeah so Let's get into and, it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I'm ready for the plot. Cool. Let's get into the plot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Against the red sunrise, four samurai chase a man on horseback. They sword fight, and he is taken back with them to their base. Uh, <laughs> at first, I was like, why doesn't he just get off? Because they just uh, grab the horse, and he's just riding back with them. Like, <laughs> just get off your horse and run away. <laughs> yeah. He like they, just, He's fine with it, you know? As an intro to the movie, this was a little weak. It's just like, sure. oh, like what's, yeah. what's happening? Why yeah. are they... I think yeah. they wanted to, like, start it in feudal Japan instead of in present day to at least, like, tell you, you know, this is what the movie is. Yeah. Like, you hey, know? this is what's coming. Because we spend no time in New York at all, which is what the which last two movie Which disappoints me a little are. bit. Really? I think it's mainly because I associate those characters with New York, so... Yeah. 
the premise of this movie almost feels like it would be the tenth of a series. You know, yeah. Like we just watched Jason X a couple weeks back, where <laughs> they don't know what to do with uh with Jason. Friday the Thirteenth oh, anymore. Yeah. So like, let's send it into space. Fuck, we're gonna send him into the future, four hundred years in the future in space. Like you know, that's <laughs> almost kind of what this feels like. Or if you had a TV show, it'd be kind of like oh, the kind of the random episode. Yeah, you know, like let's just do something really wild because we get to make twenty of these. You know, so maybe for the third in a series, it's too soon. almost like a filler arc. Yeah, yeah, to be doing like weird time travel. Yeah, yeah, that might be my biggest problem with this movie. It's kind of just this general premise. It's yeah. a little, it's a little out there. Yeah, we'll get into it, but I feel like time travel movies were just really in in the nineties. You know. I feel like every TV show wanted to do this. We're like, oh, we're going to go way back in time. Well, because Back to the Future times. was so successful in the 80s. So. Maybe, maybe that's it. But I mean, you just, I feel like you have like like Kid in King Arthur's Court. And oh, there yeah. There was like eight of those that were like the same exact premise. <laughs> you know, just a kid finds a MacGuffin that is sends him back in time. And hilarity ensues. And he has to find his way to get back, right? <laughs> Learns a yep. lesson. The general premise we have here, but... In the present day, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles dance and train in their subway station home. Raphael gets angry about overtraining for no good reason. They can't go up and make a difference anyway. April arrives with a new haircut and presents for the Turtles before going on vacation. Among them is a present for Splinter, an ancient Japanese scepter. So, where the so, fuck did she get this? Like, the, She said the flea market. Sure, but it also looks like it's made out of gold and clearly worth some money. And belongs in a museum. I got it for like 75 cents. <laughs> yeah. Like this clearly belongs in a museum. This, And it kind of looks more of a lantern than a scepter. It's, yeah. It's very confusing. That's what I thought it was at first was a lantern of some sort. Yeah. And it lights up too. So I feel like they shouldn't be calling it a scepter. But it just seems like such a contrived plot point where she's like, this won't, this won't have any magic powers in it, right? <laughs> like... Surely this will be fine. Well, I mean, any normal person wouldn't have any reason to believe that anyway, so... No, but, like, in a movie or TV show oh, yeah. from, from this time era... Surely like, this ancient artifact I bought from the flea market's fine. But you know what's funny about that is that, uh, in a little bit, Michelangelo just spells out the plot. And he's like, so this means we're gonna have to go time travel and get April back, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yes, yes, that's what we have to do. They gotta, they have to spell it out for the kids still. I mean, sure, but it, they do it pretty ironically, which is funny, I think. <laughs> Back in feudal Japan, the prisoner is returned to the samurai camp. The prisoner is the leader's son, Kenshin, who accuses him of disgrace. A British pirate cowboy something. What is he? Is he a pirate? Is he a conquistador? Well, he's British. Oh, and so, he's just trading. So, yeah, what, what's he doing in Japan? And, and they did say that, you know, they there was a lot of trading going on. Was he a mercenary? That's what I'm saying. But, like, he looks like he he doesn't look official. Like, he doesn't look like he works for the British government or a no. big company. He looks like he's out for himself and his crew. So how does he have all this power to, like, so trade that, with? Yeah. So that makes him a pirate then, right? I guess. And they also call him a cowboy later. So it's like he's kind of a pirate. He's kind of a cowboy. Also, like, he has guns, which is, like, a big deal in feudal Japan, because they're, like... The year is 1603, by the way. Okay. I don't know where... So maybe not feudal Japan. They don't Japan. say that. It is it's feudal. feudal. <laughs> they don't say that outright in the movie, but, like, the Wikipedia is very certain that it was 1603. <laughs> like, so. that's where they traveled. That's the year. <laughs> so, like, guns are 
I guess, very new. And, you know, they're kind of just constantly threatening these Japanese villages with their guns. Yeah. So a British pirate cowboy something shows up named Walker looking to trade with Lord Norinaga. We're going to review all these names in a second. Norinaga, a Norinaga sounds right. Yeah, you know, I'm saying there's a lot of like names. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of brand new characters in this. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Kenshin throws a tantrum in a trophy room and uncovers the same scepter April is holding in the present. With it, he uncovers a manuscript with ancient depictions of the Ninja Turtles. He reads it, and both scepters begin to glow. His and April's. Lightning from the scepter engulfs April's body and she disappears. A second later, a body reappears, but it's Kenshin, and he's wearing her clothes. April arrives to where he was in his time wearing his clothes. Yet she kept her Walkman, and he kept his a katana. Yeah, that kind of didn't make sense. It was a little weird. <laughs> he passes out from the shock. Very lucky that April was wearing very androgynous clothing. <laughs> I mean... It's also very 90s. Yeah, she. they seemed like they were making her like a 90s like punk girl. She got a haircut. She has like short hair now. And she's like a rocker very chick. Very 90s, yeah. And she's wearing a, a white t-shirt, jeans, a leather like baggy jacket. jeans, and a leather jacket. Yeah. So Something anybody could wear. Right. So it's just androgynous enough that when Tension comes back and he's wearing her clothes, he's also just wearing clothes that wouldn't be weird for him to be wearing. And he looks kind of cool. But you... Yeah, right. He, <laughs> ought, he uh, immediately looks cool. And I had to re- rewind it because I was like, is that what she was wearing? Like, I kind of don't remember what she was wearing. <laughs> but also, I feel like... There's an obvious gag there that they missed out on, which is having him come back and wearing ladies' clothing. Yeah. That seems like the obvious 90s kid movie gag to go for, and they, I feel like they purposefully avoided that by putting her in those clothes. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of, like, the way that the time travel works is they literally swap spots with somebody and that they don't take their clothes with them, but it didn't make sense that he had his katana and she had her Walkman. Yeah. That didn't make sense. Like, clothes work, but items don't. That were in your pocket, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, that part was weird. They probably did it just so they could have that scene where... The Walkman, yeah. And that's it. Because Kenshin didn't need his katana once in New York. He tries to fight the next guys that show up. Yeah, but... For a minute. That we're we're going to get to. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, I just want to go over some of these names because there's a lot of brand new characters because, you know, the turtles are thrown into this other story, basically. (laughs) So, there's a fight going on between, like, the warlord, who seems to be Lord Norinaga. His son is Kenshin, the guy who just time-traveled and was captured at the beginning of the movie. And the rebels are led by we're gonna get to they're led by kenshin's like love interest and then a british guy shows up and he is walker that's the and he's the man. and he's the bad guy i guess he's played by Stuart wilson who was the villain in the mask of zoro oh shit you didn't notice he has a very iconic voice well i was like this guy something seems familiar about him and i don't know why yeah we just saw him like a few months okay. ago okay the cowboy in the mask of zoro he no, he's the was he not the cowboy Spanish guy? Spanish Don. He was oh, he was not Spanish. <laughs> no, no, he's very British. I think they wrote it off as like he would have been a given the position of a Don, even though he's from England. Oh. Like they're settlers, basically. Okay, they're colonizers, is what they are. <laughs> Back in the subway station, they quickly surmise Kenshin is from feudal Japan, 
but they are not surprised that he can speak English. As Donatello points out, they were trading with the English and many Japanese were fluent in English. Mikey, however, asks, how did you get in April's pants? They had the great joke. (laughs) Great joke. (laughs) I love quote unquote family films that have little like gags like this. Yes, because that distinguishes them from kid movies because kid movies are only for kids while family movies are for everybody in the family but have to you know you gotta throw the parents a bone exactly yeah you have to kind of hide a joke in there that only the parents are going to get and kids aren't which disney actually does this a lot with their movies exactly because they make good family films right but this this is a great joke because kids are gonna be like oh yeah he is wearing her clothes and the parents are like yeah that's (laughs) that's that that, means that's a sex joke yeah exactly (laughs) and that's the part where uh, mikey goes so does this mean we have to time travel to get april (laughs) Spell out the plot of the movie. So if you time traveled here and switched spots with April, we clearly have to do the same thing to save her. Thanks, Mikey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was wondering at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, why are they speaking English to each other? And they should have been speaking Japanese with subtitles. Speaking English to each other is weird. Exactly. Yeah. Because Donatello does point out that certain people in Japan who are trading with they would English know people, the language. they would be able to speak English. Like, we do see the people that are explicitly trading with the Brits. But amongst themselves, it wouldn't be normal for them to converse in English. not at all. And there are, exactly. And there are other characters that just speak Japanese in this. So it's just that beginning part. I'm like, they shouldn't be speaking English. (laughs) In Japan, April is surrounded, assumed to be a witch after her Walkman goes off, and is locked up in the dungeons. There she meets a man who is locked up who bears a striking resemblance to Casey Jones. It's because he's played by the same actor, by the way. (laughs) In New York City, Donatello concludes that the scepter works as a weight exchange through time. They'll need to switch places with four similar men in order to time travel. Casey Jones returns, ready for a fight. But Leo says that he won't be bashing anyone's head, and today, just watch Kenshin and the new arrivals with Splinter while they're gone. So he's a babysitter. I got so excited when Casey Jones showed up. I am happy that they brought Casey Jones back in this one. I didn't know that he was in this movie for some reason. I didn't either. (laughs) And at first I was surprised and then it kind of clicked in like, you know, the annals of my memories, you know, where I remember him being in this movie. But at first I was like, I actually went, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, he doesn't have too much to do in this movie. He's just well, kind of there. This movie fixes, I think, what the last one did, where they don't want Casey Jones bashing anyone's brains in. They Which make is a his joke. thing. Exactly. And they make a joke alluding to that. He's like, all right, who, whose head am I going to bash in? And Leo's like, nobody's. You're not going to do any of that. And it's very meta because that's why he was written out of the last movie. Right. And then this one is like, you're just going to hang out here for comedic effect. That's your job. And he is funny. Oh, all his stuff works so well. It's some yeah. of my favorite stuff in this movie. What I don't get is why do we have that guy that looks like Casey in the past? What's the point? Yes. That doesn't make any sense. And I think it's because there's also another character in Japan who I think is an ancestor of a character that we know in the present. And I think that's the parallel that that character that April just meets is Casey Jones's ancestor. Okay. Why? There's no real payoff. Uh, it wasn't it's super a crazy necessary. Crazy coincidence. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was no real payoff for that, so they didn't actually need to do that. But here we are, right? I, I thought they were going to do something like have them switch spots or something. For a second, me too. That would yeah. have been 
kind of interesting, especially since they look alike. Eh, I don't want Casey Jones just thrown off into, like, feudal Japan. Like, he's a good character. Think of all the funny (laughs) shit he can say. Actually, I feel, uh, it might get, like, racist if Casey Jones is in Japan. Um, Maybe. I don't know. He's pretty good with the Japanese here in this movie. (laughs) Mikey puts on some pants so that the other person won't arrive bare butt naked. I laughed at that. That was a good joke. He was he was thinking ahead too. <laughs> yeah, because he knew about the clothing. He's like, we don't yeah. wear clothes, right? The turtles hold onto the scepter, and lightning begins to engulf them. Four Japanese honor guards arrive nearly naked in their places, except for the one who is wearing Mikey's pants. Good job, Mikey. Also, I just want to point out they they're nearly naked. They show up wearing weird looking underwear that resembles the turtle shells. Did you notice that? A little bit, yeah. So I feel like the time travel mechanic understood their shells <laughs> to be their clothing. Time travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like, well, that's their shells are their like underwear. So right. they gave the humans underwear that is kind of like shells. Like it had a back. It was <laughs> or like, the time travel mechanic was like, well, we can't have all these men show up naked in a PG movie. So. <laughs> Sure, I think it's, it's a combination of both, Berto. That's, what, that's really what it is. So we're going to invent a new mechanic for the time travel. Right. Casey, you know, it's what you said. It's whatever's convenient for the movie because Walkmans, they're fine. You can you can take the Walkman. You can't take your actual clothes, though. <laughs> Casey prepares to fight them, but they all bow down at Kenshin, who recognizes them as not the priest he was expecting, but as his father's honor guards, insinuating that the scepter was moved. This teleports the turtles in their places in battle. Not knowing how to ride horses, Raph, Leo, and Donnie all fall off their horses while Mikey's horse goes rogue into the forest. There, Mitsu, the leader of the rebellion, knocks him out and the rebels take him away. The scepter falls into the bushes. So, they're immediately split up for Mikey. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting because it's usually Raphael that gets split up from the group. Because he does something stupid. Yeah. Yeah. They're not beating the same dead horse, right? Yeah. They're doing something slightly different. Part of this movie, they're trying to like find and save Michelangelo. So again, to recap, it's these samurai people versus a small village rebellion. The rebellion is led by Mitsu, who is this Japanese woman who is like the love of Kenshin, who is the man who the time son traveled, of the, who is the son of the Daimyo. Daimo? I couldn't find how to say that, so I'm yeah, just I don't not know how to saying it. that at all. It's Noronagi's people. Okay. And they have a name, and it starts with a D. It's Daimu or Daimian or something like that. <laughs> Again, I couldn't find it, so I'm like, you know, I'm just, we're just not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> there is some thought put into the, this plot, though. Uh, that more than it, the last It was movie. an interesting yeah. wrinkle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was an interesting wrinkle that, you know, they moved the scepter. It wasn't where he thought it was going to be, so instead of for priests who aren't doing anything it's the guards that show up therefore the turtles are where they would have been and now they're like in the middle of a battle yeah and they're they're like what do we do (laughs) in full like samurai garb (laughs) which fits them for some reason yeah time travel mechanic you know (laughs) you're gonna convert shells to underwear you're gonna make those clothes fit the turtles (laughs) like even the mask like fits their face i had those toys from this movie. The, the samurai turtles? The samurai turtles, yeah. It was, I mean, it was a great toy because it, it you know, had all the detail and had the masks that you could put on and off them. Okay. Toys back then were just built so well. I don't know how toys are built now. I don't yeah, really I mean, me neither. Look. I don't know why I said that. 
my only frame of reference is Happy Meal toys, which has those are dipped cheap. in quality a lot. Yeah, in the last like twenty years, incredibly cheap. Yeah, the turtles, in disguise as the honor guards, sneak into the dungeons to free April. They scare the guards off. April frees the other prisoner who looks like Casey Jones, Wit. The rest of the guards discover the turtles, and a fight ensues. They are overwhelmed by guards and close the door. April and Wit find a garbage <laughs> chute for them to escape through. Just classic Star Wars, go through the garbage yep. chute. Um, Except Wit exactly jumps through first. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> just <laughs> immediately dives like, in. Later. Well, he's not a good dude, as we're going to learn. But. No, he's he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. There is some really bad sound editing in this scene. Uh, there's some bad foley going on. So, like, this basically the sound effects just don't seem to match up what they're doing. Like, when he, they go down the garbage chute, you hear a lot of, like, squishing noises. I don't know if you noticed. I was like, squish. Uh, just, like, generic yeah, sounding. Yeah, very generic. Um, sewer noises. But right. they weren't even, like, really going down a sewer. Exactly. It kind of well, just... Sh- that, that's the joke. Yeah. Is that the, you know, they, they go to this different time era, and, and, and the like, turtles uh, have to go through the sewers again. And one of them says as yeah. much. But it, it really just ends up being, like, yeah. they fly out into a river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, again, some of those technical things where the shot where they, they each, like, fall out of the chute, they stitch three separate shots together and you can see the seams so that's called a <laughs> jump cut where the camera's in the same place and everything just slightly moved which and is jarring to it, see it's very jarring and it shouldn't happen so not good <laughs> not good filmmaking there and i hate to see that kind of stuff in like you know a normal budget movie like this this was like yeah usually you see them million. like indie films stuff like that exactly yeah like poorly made movies that's kind of inexcusable for a film like this Mikey wakes up in the Rebels' village as the rest of the turtles search for him in the forest. April rips her pants into shorts to the ogling of Leo and Donnie, and Raph appreciates the clear water out of spring. I did think that was kind of weird that it's Leo and, and Donatello, the ones that are like, oh, April, like, show off yeah. your legs. And Raphael's like, wow, I really enjoy the clean environment here. Yeah. <laughs> It did look nice, in fairness. And I don't think they've ever seen... No, they've never seen, like, They've never nice seen clean, clean water, water in the spring, yeah. you know. They it's live in a sewer. It's in the middle of Japan. Or it's storm know. drain. Yeah, yeah, storm drain. Uh, they're attacked by rebels. After a short fight, Mitsu, their leader, stops the fight, saying, they're just like the other one, signaling to the turtles that they have Michelangelo. Honestly, there's some really good fighting going on here. A lot better than the last movie. A lot better. They're allowed to use their weapons. They have their weapons. <laughs> Because they're fighting other people with weapons, you know. Right. There's like two shots. There's like a full scene of Donatello doing some really good bow staff <laughs> choreography. Did you see that? A little, like I saw it. It's I a didn't... lot. Well, yeah, obviously, it's a lot. Of, he's spinning. He's just doing. It, it's a whole like demonstration. He's actually using the bow staff. Yeah, it was really good stunt work. All of them are using their weapons. It goes back to like the first movie where they're purposefully using their weapons but in a safe way because they don't want to kill these people that they right. don't know you know yeah and there's a part where leonardo puts his swords down for a second to punch a guy because the guy like he lost his weapon and he's like well if i use my swords i'm gonna kill this man or slice him or stab <laughs> him so he he actually puts his swords down and he punches them instead <laughs> which is nice to see yeah and then there's a shot where there's a scene where uh Mitsu's going to use her bow and arrow. And Raphael throws the sigh. Yeah. That was pretty cool, too. <laughs> so, uh, and he's like, that's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, the action in this scene is, is really good. Yeah. 
And like like we were saying, we made a lot of complaints about last week, and I think this is a step up from that. They arrive to the village to find it under attack by Walker and his men. That's the British guy. They are searching for the missing Kenshin and the Golden Scepter. Mikey scares his people and meets Walker, who, although is astounded, tries to shoot him. <laughs> this is where Mikey like calls him like Clint Eastwood and a cowboy, makes a lot of jokes. Yeah. Well, uh, like he, I think when he rode past him, he legitimately thought it was Clint Eastwood for a second. <laughs> he was like, "Wait, was that?" <laughs> Leo, Raph, and Donnie arrive in time to save him. The rebels and the turtles fight off the pirates again. We don't know if they're pirates. But I'm just going to call them that. Um, <laughs> a fire engulfs the house and traps a child inside. Mikey runs in to save him and emerges with the child, saying, Kurt Russell, eat your heart out. <laughs> uh, the boy named Yoshi is unconscious and not breathing. Leonardo takes him and performs CPR, saving his life. I don't want to like, you know, that joke aside, I don't want to make it sound like it was a very jokey scene. It, 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 this is a very, it was a very well done, I thought, going into a fire and saving a little boy scene. Like it yeah. was dramatic. Yeah. You know? And I remember this part from my childhood. I remember the CPR, and I remember uh, Michelangelo coming out of the fire. And they th- they tried to stop him from doing the CPR because they thought he was like casting a spell or something. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. everybody thinks that the turtles are demons, which I like. Yeah, they call them kappa, which is the like a Japanese word for like a demon spirit or a spirit, because not all kappa are evil. And they say this mm. in this movie. And I, I went on a little Wikipedia hole about. Cap, and I want to show you this picture. Oh, did I delete it? Where'd it go? Oh, no. Oh, no. It was like a like an old picture of a Cap of, like, very explicitly, like, raping somebody. Oh, no. <laughs> like, penis, vagina, the whole thing was there. Whoa, on Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah on Wikipedia. Oh, was, was it crazy. like an ancient drawing? Yeah, yeah, it was one of those. Look at that part Oh, right there. whoa, there's gross? two of them. Yeah. There's a lot of weird depictions of Kappa. Those huh. are like those look like the Ninja Turtles, but they're also, I think, monkeys. They also have boobs. It is, yeah, this one has boobs. That's why they're, I think they're monkeys. Uh, but they look like frogs or turtles. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh right, look at this one. Yeah, right Re- there. They... Repelling a Kappa with a fart. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like a man, and he pulls his pants down, and he's like shooting shit out of his asshole to repel a Kappa. <sighs> Dude, man. It's very some, interesting. Some of these uh, beliefs are... I mean, all kinds of folklore is weird. So Yeah. Anyway. What were you saying? You were saying about the, the Kappa? Oh, how, like, everybody thinks that that's what the turtles oh, are. Sure. And yeah. I, I like that idea that everybody's, like... Most of them are, like, kind of afraid of the turtles because they think they're, like, these mythical creatures. I liked that Leo performs very accurate CPR. Did you notice that? Yeah. It was like... Like the know, way he was doing the compressions Yeah, he was stuff. doing everything very correctly. Like he tilts the heads up. He does the right amount of breaths, the right amount of compressions at the right speed. Especially inside that giant suit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is some detail here. <laughs> Although, that's not hard to do. Like, there's... On set, there's surely one person that's CPR certified. There that, should be. That could tell you, this is how you do it. If you're going to do this scene, do it right, you know? Yeah. So, I thought that was really cool. But I like this part. They do the dramatic bits really well, I think. They do. Mikey calls Walker Zorro Dude, which is hilarious because that guy ends up being in the Zorro movie. Yeah, and this movie was before that movie. It's like by, seven years yeah, before or something, yeah. Like quite a few years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really funny. Um, <laughs> I was really excited about that. Here's the other interesting thing is that the kid's name is Yoshi. 
And I think that's interesting because the only other Yoshi in Ninja Turtles is Hamato Yoshi. I thought of that, and that's why I didn't know like quite when they time traveled to because I didn't know if that wouldn't be him. Because right, but it, I think the but implication it was weird how he had like he kind of formed this bond with him. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think the implication is that that's his ancestor. Oh, okay, and Hamato Yoshi is Splinter's master. In some iterations of the Ninja Turtles. That he is literally Splinter. Splinter, like, transforms into a rat. Yeah. Uh, in others, including this one, you know, the sequel to the first movie, he is Hamata Yoshi's pet rat who learned martial arts by watching um, So, Yoshi. even before he mutated, he was very intelligent. Y- yeah. <laughs> Smart animal thing, right? And then Yoshi dies, he mutates, and then becomes the actual sensei, Master Splinter. So I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think the implication is that he is his ancestor. It's not really like stated or anything like that. But I think between that and Wit being played by the same actor as Casey Jones, I think that's what they're trying to do here is like, hey, these are the people that will eventually, they're their an- ancestry. Okay. So we have uh, Hamato Yoshi's ancestor and Casey Jones' ancestor hanging out in the same yeah. same spot of history. Yeah. <laughs> I get, they could have done away with Wit. And Wit that got kind of confusing, I think. He did, The character still could have been there. It did not need to be played by the same guy. Yeah. That made it weird. And it made April kept on looking. I'm like, God, like, you, you, you know? You look like Casey. She even calls him Casey. I think also they wanted to have more... Casey April love things, but they're in different places in the movie, the entire movie. So I think maybe that's why they do it because they can say like, "Hey, she's still attracted to him." Yeah, yeah. Remember that she's still kind of in love with him. Maybe, maybe they're together. Maybe they're not. We don't know. We're not establishing that in this movie. You know, maybe that's why she kind of falls for him. Like she believes the best in him. She released him from his cage. She trusted him. You know, he's hanging out with him. I guess. I like, maybe it's not a good idea, is all I'm saying. No. Um, not well done. Lord Norinaga shows Walker the manuscript of the ancient turtles and tells him they're demons who once defeated his ancestors. Walker, therefore, ups the price of his weapons. <laughs> At the village, the turtles train on riding horses and debate how to make a new scepter. April inquires, Donatello's going to make a time travel device? To which the turtles reply, no, that guy is. He's really good with his hands. Pointing at the local blacksmith. <laughs> <laughs> I thought oh, that was really funny. Yeah. For some reason, when I was watching this, I thought like Norinaga was going to be like part of like Shredder's ancestry or something. They was should... that implied at all? Or And also, why uh... were the turtles there in the past to defeat his ancestor? Right. That's never so, explained. That's not explained. And they should have done more with that because my interpretation of that is that the turtles do this again or have done this before <laughs> in an earlier time period because the drawings of them look just like them. Right. It was. It had to be them. It yeah. had to be. Unless if it's just like more depictions of Kappa that just happen to look like the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I would rather believe that they did this one more time and, you know, they went a hundred years prior, you know, or maybe it was a Turtles in Time video game. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because it's clearly them. It's four. It looks just like the colors. Yeah. yeah. It looks just like them. So 
this is like the third time we see the manuscript so you know it's nice that like it's explained or whatever but that's what made me think that uh they had time traveled again but you know you're right norinaga i feel like there should just be if, if they're gonna introduce a kid named yoshi then they should have introduced another kid named oroku saki okay there should have been another saki you know or another oroku yeah i forget how the naming customs work i think it's usually last name first it's oroku then... nagi was the older brother and oroku saki was the younger brother who becomes a shredder so, so the, the fact so that this kid was name the oroku family right the fact that this kid is named yoshi that already breaks that logic <laughs> because that would be his first name yeah which would be very common and Yoshi That's is kind true. of a common Yoshi, name. Yoshi, yeah. I think it's a common Japanese name. Maybe. It's also the name of uh, Yoshi, Yoshi from Mario. From Mario? Yeah, I thought you were going with that. So, I don't think too hard about it. Oh, that's all I'm saying. But that would have been a more fun thing where it's, yeah, if you saw like uh, Shredder's Ancestry too, that would have been fun. Yeah. Since he's not in this movie and since he's dead. For real this time. Yeah. Supposedly. I saw a complaint about this movie. I was like, oh, no more foot and no more... No more Shredder. I'm like, yeah. That was the point of the last movie. The two movies is enough. Like, let's do something different. I agree. Let's do something. Don't fight. They should have more enemies than just the foot. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, I get that's their main antagonist, but it's like, it's just like, you can't have Spider-Man only fight Green Goblin. Yeah. I don't, I didn't want to see it a third time. I agree. Like, they should do yeah. something completely somewhere else. Maybe not this. Maybe not this far. They went too far. <laughs> <laughs> the turtles fit in with the locals. Mikey tries to teach them how to make pizza. Raphael gives Yoshi a lesson in keeping his temper under control and learns to fly a kite. Donatello helps the blacksmith with the scepter. In New York, Casey distracts the Japanese guards with TV and modern snacks. He tries to teach them how to play hockey, but their main takeaway was the fighting. So, <laughs> I like this because they like, obviously, all of them start getting impatient. Like, we, we want to go back now. We don't want to wait. And then yeah. Casey just turns on the TV and immediately they're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. They're like kind of like tapping at it. Like what? What like am I looking at? they think little people are in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that he puts on the hockey game. Not only do I think that's I think it funny. Was an, it was an Islanders game, right? Well, it's New York. I, so. don't, I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Not only is that funny, I think that's exactly what would happen. If someone time traveled to the future and saw a television set, they'd be like, "How? How are there? They'd be people. In they'd here? be freaking the fuck out." Yeah. Uh, in case he's like, "It's not even the playoffs." Like, <laughs> and then they start fighting, and then they're like, "Yeah." Well, yeah, because then after the TV bit, he's like, "All right, guys, I'm gonna teach you how to play hockey," and they're like, "Oh yeah, hockey." And then they just like start punching each other. I was like, "Oh, that's what they took away from the hockey games is that they're always fighting." <laughs> to be fair, that's what most people that don't watch hockey take away from hockey too. The first time I ever went to a hockey game, someone was like, oh, you've never heard the phrase? I went to a, a fight and I saw a hockey game. <laughs> I guess this also confirms that he was a hockey player, because that's something we discussed yeah, and, in the first movie. And, yeah, with the hockey mask and the hockey sticks. like, is he? Well, he also had a bunch of baseball bats, too. So we were like, <laughs> is he a baseball player? Is he a hockey player? I think he's just a sports guy with a preference towards hockey. Yeah. He's definitely not like into basketball, a non-contact sport. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> he needs like weapons he needs something where i'm surprised he doesn't have like lacrosse sticks and stuff yeah those aren't that they got big nuts on them like yeah but that's a sport where you you do hit people that is true yeah yeah, yeah. that's part of it yeah word arrives to the village that norinaga's men and walker will attack in the morning with guns and cannons they finish constructing the new scepter just as raf and mikey drop it into a well <laughs> and it shatters <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Raphael, Raphael gifts Yoshi a yo-yo 
who is afraid that his new friends will die in battle. Yoshi reveals the actual scepter that had been recovered from the forest and gifts it to Raphael so that they don't die. It's very sweet, I thought. Yeah. The turtles deduce that the village was hiding the scepter from them in order to get them to fight with them. To which Michelangelo says, The vibes in here just turn bad. Let's split. <laughs> I just really like that line. Just then, Wit takes Mitsu hostage at knife point and demands the scepter now and Kinshin in the morning and takes her with him. <laughs> The actor that plays Casey Jones, his English accent's pretty bad. It's just like, it sounds like an American trying to sound like an English person. But not, didn't even try. Like, they were like, all right, last minute. Hey, like, by the way. It's more like he just puts, like, inflections of, like, uh, give me the scepter. Just whatever you think the a British scepter. accent sounds like, just do that. He sounds like just a normal bozo trying to act British after watching Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> This is probably like, I don't know. I don't know how this works. Hello, Harry. I'm sure he was told that he was going to play three characters, but it feels like it was like a last minute thing. It was like, all right, you're, you're this character now. Come on. <laughs> also, you're British. He was probably like, huh? <laughs> yeah, deal with it. Do you like this uh, Raphael kind of uh, hanging out with Yoshi a lot? I thought, I think it's nice. It's a little strange because usually Raphael's the hot headed one. And he's the one that has, like, a lot of quiet moments in this film. Yeah, I think it's a good exploration of his character, honestly. That, like, you know, I I think he's a character that wouldn't seek out a child to, like, you know, befriend. Right. But the child found him. And And he's like, all right, this isn't so bad. Yeah, and I think he sees a lot of himself in the kid because the kid's, like, wants to do battle. The kid wants to fight, yeah. Yeah, because that's what everyone in the village has to do to, like, survive. And Raphael's like, no, you're a kid. That's for fighting is for adults, and only in when you have no other choice. Because he's a good martial artist. Like he knows you don't seek out the fight, but it's, you have to be prepared for it. It's meant to be right? in self defense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I really like all this uh, Raphael and Yoshi. It's like a know? character development for him. But like for yeah. him specifically, it seems like he's the one that really gets the development in this movie. There's a lot of uh, Michelangelo time too in this movie. Michelangelo, yeah. be friends. not a lot of Leo and Donnie. Not as much, but Michelangelo does befriend Mitsu. That's true. And I, I mean, I mean, I left some of that out. You know, it's kind of small, but yeah. they kind of make friends. I don't know if he and likes her. I don't know either. And it gets to the point where they're like, we don't even want to go back now. Yeah, towards the end, they don't want to go back because they're kind of comfortable here and they feel more appreciated than yeah. back they, in New York. They don't have, they have to hide. hide. They're exactly. accepted. It's yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. I like the Raphael stuff. I think it's it's good for his character. It's character exploration and development that I, I buy in. I believe it. Yeah. You know, I feel like that it, it is natural for his character to kind of like, you know, look at this kid that he sees himself into and, and kind of do something there, right? And it's something that this movie does better than the last one, for sure, is just oh, exploring yeah. the characters Explore in general. Explore anything. Yeah. Any character, any theme. The last movie didn't even do a, a shred of, right? No. <laughs> At the base, Mitsu admits that she does not have Kenshin, but that he went off on a magic journey. Wit reveals the scepter and that he's actually Walter's spy. The turtles sneak back into the dungeon to rescue Mitsu. They fight their way through the castle. They find the manuscript and encounter Norinaga and play into being the legendary demons. Mitsu and Norinaga are about to fight, but the turtles intervene and fight the guards with her. They release the rebel prisoners and a battle ensues. Leonardo engages in a sword fight with Norinaga and wins. Norinaga tells Leonardo to finish me. <laughs> Leonardo obliges, crosses his swords together, 
approaches Norinaga's head and cuts off his bun. <laughs> what a fake out. I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Is he going to execute him? <laughs> like, is he going to, like, is he going to Anakin Skywalker just, like, cut his head off? Do it. Just do it. Um, and then after he did, I was like, oh, I do remember this. I remember this part. I don't remember any of this. That was a good little fake out, though, in all honesty. <laughs> it did look like he was going to kill him. I was like, oh, Like, oh, the way shit. he was being shot and everything. Yeah. Was... <laughs> uh, what am I looking? Oh, when they throw him in the giant bell? They, yeah, they lock him in a giant bell when Walker and his pirates arrive with the guns and surround the turtles, April, and now Wit. Oh, because Wit grows some balls and he's like, hey, you weren't supposed to hurt them. Yeah, and he's like, all right, you, you're a prisoner now, too. <laughs> and we're going to kill you. <laughs> what a bad guy move. He's like, all right, well, you get in there. <laughs> yeah, seriously. One of my favorite jokes is in this part where uh, Walker meets someone. He's like, my God, who's your tailor? And one of the turtles just goes, we're naked. <laughs> I think it's funny that none of them recognize these as turtles. Like, they yeah. have shells. They, like, I know they're anthropomorphic, but they also do look like turtles. Yeah. And they're all like, oh, demons, Kappa. And it's not till one of them goes, we're turtles, that uh, they start calling them reptiles. Yeah. Man, I love being a turtle. Yeah, this next part, he says yeah. that. And... Uh, Walker's like, something, something, you reptiles. Oh, now you recognize them as turtles. <laughs> Leo threatens that their demon powers will bounce the bullets back onto them. Walker calls their bluff and shoots the cannon instead. <laughs> Leo dodges the cannonball, which somehow scares the pirates to run off. That was a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, here they are being Ninja Turtles or whatever. But the second that Leonardo, like, lowers his head into his shell. I mean, it did look kind of freaky. Because right, yeah. they had the upper hand, they had the guns. Yeah. And they all just turn around, drop the guns, And Walker's like, away. oh, that's, that's very clever. That's very clever. And then runs away. <laughs> yeah, everyone's running away now. <laughs> the turtles corner Walker, who throws the scepter into the air. Mikey catches it as Wit. Why is his name Wit? As it's such Wit, a bad name. It's such, it, it, and it's hard to say because it feels like it's a word. As Wit shoots a fire cannon to Walker, who falls into the ocean. While he's trying to grab his finches that he keeps forgetting. Oh, yeah, he has these little birds. It's like a running gag almost. Where <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, man, I forgot my birds. And well, <laughs> earlier, at the very beginning, he goes, oh, like, aren't sons so annoying? Like, children are so annoying. I've stopped that, and I only have little birds now. Like Birds are annoying. Implying that he had kids, and he just doesn't fuck with them anymore. <laughs> or he killed them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's funny that he has finches, which I've had them as pets before. They're annoying birds. Really? They are constantly like... <laughs> Yeah, they're like not smart birds or little birds. Yeah, they're they're dumb. They might be dumber than parakeets. Parakeets are pretty dumb. Uh, cockatiels are, are pretty smart. Cockatiels are smart. Parrots are obviously smart. Parrots but are very smart. They will outlive you. They will live like eighty years. Yeah, I had parrot. <laughs> we had parrots. Really? Yeah, we had an African gray and we had a blue and gold macaw when I was younger. Did they talk? Yeah, they talked. Ooh. The macaw parrots a lot, so it just kind of says. You know, whatever you say. Right. You can train it to say certain words, but it might not know what those words mean. Right. It, it just, it copy it, it parrots you. It parrots. And it might do like a Pavlovian thing where it does, a, like dogs, it associates certain phrases with certain things, but that doesn't mean it's smart. The African gray, however, is incredibly smart. Like, are they the ones that actually like yes. talk? They can understand um, like 
up to like a thousand words and, or something. And the meaning? And the meaning. They wow. it, It's a little beyond Pavlovian where like they don't just associate it with certain things. They learn. They converse and stuff? Uh, sort, sort of. of. Sort of. To, um, to the best of their abilities. Yeah. They're, they're, you can look up uh, African Grace. There was one named Alex who died not that long ago, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it lived to be like 30 or something. Okay. Um, and it was known as like one of the smartest animals ever. Wow. They taught it to do all kinds of things, like real cognitive things. I gotta so look that those, up. The problem with African Greys is that they develop like severe anxiety from being like too smart and not... I mean, I, I do they become like aware like, that they're like locked in a cage? A little bit, yeah. They and they'll um, they don't like the self, idea of being self mutilate, so they'll like pull out their feathers. Oh, they need to be. Sometimes they need to be like um, they need constant attention and or yeah, or sometimes they'll be uh sedated. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they need to be sedated. Okay. So ours was pulling her feathers out, and we had to sedate her a little bit. Um, just kind of keep her from like going crazy, right? Because they, you know, if they're not stimulated properly, or if, you know, they they get too smart for their own good, <laughs> and they get depressed. Uh, wow. Thing. Yeah. But our blue and gold was awesome. I love that bird. And again, just dumb enough. Right? Yeah. I only ever had parakeets and finches, which are just dumb birds that just yeah. <laughs> the African gray has such a good like vocal capacity that they can almost mimic any sound. That's incredible. Yeah. So that parrot could mimic like my dad's voice very well. Shit. Um, and it can mimic the phone ringing very well. Like the exact chirp of the phone it can mimic. So sometimes it would just do it. And you'd think and the phone was, is ringing. And we thought the phone was ringing. Yeah. Or and like the like, doorbell. Ah, damn it, bird. Yeah. Like, or it would mimic the doorbell. <laughs> Meanwhile, the macaw, who is like a bigger, dumber parrot, can only speak in its voice. It can't mimic to that degree. That's like the... Rah! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that was a bird tangent we just went on. But, uh, yeah, this fucker just keeps on carrying the finches in a cage. And he keeps forgetting them. (laughs) So, like, he was about to escape. Then he goes, oh, not again. He climbs up to go grab his birds. And then that's when the cannonball knocks him out. A flaming cannonball. A flaming cannonball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kills him, basically. (laughs) Uh, It's not a great effect, too, when he falls into the ocean because he's just falling. And then he just, like, disappears. And like, it looks no like, a, like a weird CG ocean that he's falling into. Yeah. Or this, maybe this, just like a picture. Yeah. But like his little his little silhouette just like disappears. It doesn't. It, it gets small and disappears. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not very well done. No, not a good effect. April hurries the boys to leave. Mikey, Raph, and Leo suggest they should stay here where they are appreciated. There's a, a good discussion here for like a second. I thought Leo wanted to go back. He changes his mind. I thought it was. I, I, yeah, Mikey and Raph convince him, and he's like, "All right, yeah." yeah. It's Donatello who's like, "No, because I can't live without a microchip." He's. <laughs> what about your father? <laughs> yeah, none of them were thinking about Splinter, which is weird. That none of them's like, you know, I'm Master Splinter or whatever. Or Casey. Yeah, fuck Casey, I guess. <laughs> but that is April. She's like, no, like we're a family. We belong in New York or whatever. The scepter activates, but Casey is late because he took the honor guard to a bar to play arcade games. I mean, hey. I love them. I loved everything. They were really into the arcade games. I loved everything they were doing. He's like, (laughs) he even says, he's like, all right, guys, I just want to show you a bit of the future, but. uh, But we got to go. He even goes like, guys, we got to go. He's like, this might mess something up. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, this might mess up the, does he say the timeline or does he say this might mess up the future? Maybe. Yeah. One of those. (laughs) 
I love their whole their whole bit, their whole little yeah. side plot. Oh, they they love uh, present day. They <laughs> yeah. didn't they didn't want to go back. <laughs> They're having too much fun. Mitsu assures Mikey their families need to be together. He agrees, but does not make it back, leaving one honor guard in New York with the three turtles in April. So th- this little scene was fun because all of them go back. Mikey just misses it. And you see all the turtles, except for Mikey and April, and one of the Japanese guys left in New York. And for a second, I was like, does this movie end without resolving it? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't remember. I'm like, and it really hooked me for a second. <laughs> the guard runs off with the scepter. But then a bright light reveals that the exchange happens off screen and Michelangelo appears. I guess Mikey was still holding it, so it counts. Why, uh, why did the guy run off with the scepter? I guess he was like, fuck this, man. I'm I'm staying in New York. It's way better so than he starts running Japan. The- <laughs> uh, Mikey is sad and says he'll never laugh again. But Splinter puts his lampshade on his head to cheer him up. Uh, <laughs> I feel like all these movies have to end with Splinter making it funny. Yeah. That's what... <laughs> And then all the turtles come out and just start dancing with them, and then the movie's over. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I think Casey and April, like, look at each other. And that's... They, they put them next to each other, but they're not making eye contact. Yeah. I love that the guards, the, the Japanese guys, they think that they have to be naked for this to work, because they start taking all their clothes off. <laughs> which means they're just going to show up naked back... No, they'll be back in their... It means the turtles show up naked, which is fine, because... Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they that naked. works out fine. Yeah, but I guess they're like, we got here naked. We have to, and we they're have, all we like, have to take all our clothes. <laughs> they're all stripping, yeah. <laughs> and then back in Japan, like they have Kenshin and Mitsu have like a like a weird like movie style kiss. Yeah, because I think he saw it on a poster. He probably did. Yeah, I think, I think that's what happened. And he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna kiss her like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, see I'm gonna her do again. that yeah. because I love her." <laughs> <laughs> and I like that when they're all saying goodbye. Raphael gives a big hug to Yoshi and they have all. Because yeah, I like that whole bit. Cares about the kid. Yeah. So that's the movie, right? Roll credits. Roll credits. A fun song, <laughs> uh, and a dance number. So overall analysis. We're in the analysis portion, you guys. Berto, what what do you think overall? Like, how do you look at this movie? Uh... I'm, like, conflicted with this movie because it's, like, I don't... First off, I don't have nostalgia for this movie specifically. I don't either because I barely I remember it. I don't think... Yeah, I remember bits. Yeah. And that's it. But um, I don't hate this movie by any means, but I don't love it either. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. I don't... Like, for all the things they do right, it seems like they do something else wrong. And then there's just the whole... yeah. The whole premise of the movie is also just very strange and not in a way that I would say is good. If that makes sense. I agree with everything you said. I think the scales to which I agree are are a little little bit different. So I don't like the premise necessarily. All this time travel stuff. I don't normally like time travel shenanigans. I don't think a lot of times it, it works. I think... Avengers Endgame did very well with it, surprisingly, because when I found out it was going to be about time travel, I was like, they're going to jump the shark here. You know what I mean? But then then they did it very well. I thought they pulled that off well, too. Yeah, they pulled it off. Back to the Future is fine. Almost everything else up with time travel, I'm like, I'm I'm not having it. I guess Terminator works. Some of them. (laughs) Two of them? Sure. (laughs) Two out of, like, seven. So, for the most part, I'm like, God, like, again, this is such a... 90s time travel shenanigan era right yeah. it's a thing to do like we were talking like we were saying earlier but 
that being said, the premise is there. This is where the movie is going. You know from the very... You know, five minutes into the movie, you know this is where this is going. Yeah. Actually, one minute into the movie, you know where that's where this is going because it starts off in feudal Japan right. instead of New York City, right? So I already knew this was happening. After you, I think, jump over that premise that this is what's happening, I think it's fine. You know? Okay. Because I think, given that premise, they execute well enough. You know? They introduced like four or five new characters that all know each other, and they developed those characters very well. Like none yeah. of those characters are very one dimensional. They they spent time with each one. Maybe Wit's a bit undimensional. No, no, fuck Wit. That's, oh, I'm okay. not. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking <laughs> about like Mitsu, Kenshin, oh, okay. Noronagi, Walker. Yeah. Um. Even the grandpa Yoshi. No, you you those buy characters. into like there's already this conflict happening. Yes. Yeah. You believe that those characters exist. That they're doing their thing. Uh, that the turtles landed into, you know, their situation. Some of the plot is kind of smart. You know, like I said, there were there were some twists that I was genuinely surprised with. I like that they separated the turtles a little differently than they usually would. I like that they had time to kind of... They had their little downtime scene. Yeah. You know, I like the little Yoshi and Raphael stuff. I like the Michelangelo kind of meeting a girl and maybe he likes her and maybe he's like... Isn't this better than New York? And so does Raphael think that, like, there's stuff in this movie, and that says a lot more than the last one. There wasn't that. The last one was, like, a kid's movie. I wouldn't even say a family movie. It was a kid's movie. It it was a very simplistic plot that they just executed. They inserted some fun jokes, and that's why we liked that movie. Right. Because it was still fun to be had, but it's very empty as a film. Mm-hmm. Where this one has some stuff. This one has more stuff. I wouldn't say this one's as fun. This one does take itself a little bit more seriously. Yeah, it's almost like a uh, some sort of a middle ground between the first two films. A movie that is fun yeah. but takes itself way more seriously. The first one and the second one, which is just kind of all fun and just nonsense, right? <laughs> and this yeah. one's kind of in the middle. I feel. Yeah, and it felt like that in a lot of ways because. You know, they went back to using their weapons in creative ways instead of just not using them at all. There's also a lot of musical cues to the first movie and not the second one which, in this one, which I thought was very well done. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It seemed like they they knew what they were doing when they made this movie, at least. But then there's all those, like, just some questionable stuff, like wit existing at all. No, yeah, he doesn't. Right, He's, he doesn't need to be in the movie. But, like, they made him, like, a pretty prominent character in the movie I, I mean, too. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that he takes that much time. You know, mm. he's he there take for, up a lot of time. He's there he, for a couple plot he, points. And, 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 you then, could, and then he had that like um, change of heart at the end. Not really. He just spoke out of turn. Basically, <laughs> he just didn't want them to die. But he was very happy for them to get captured and, and tortured. tortured. Yeah, but don't shoot them. <laughs> but don't murder them. Exactly. Uh, I wish Casey had more to do. I okay. They, they kind of just made him comic relief here. They put him back in the movie, and he is essentially the same character. It's not that they like fucked his character. No, he's no. the same character. They just won't let him. Fight they won't people. let him be Casey. <laughs> they won't let him beat people uh, and bash their brains in, which right. is good. I don't know. Like I liked Casey a lot in that first movie, like we said. But you know, at least he's in it. And they give him something to do, and he's super entertaining with the four Japanese guys. I think I think it's hilarious. I think all that stuff was great. Yeah, no, and the comic relief is good. Yeah, it's just 
I like Casey Jones as a character, so I just wish he had more to do. Sure. Even just like, and this might have actually taken away from his comedy part of it, though, if he had like swapped with Wit or something. Like, otherwise, having Wit look like Casey's pointless. I mean, Wit is pointless. <laughs> I don't think Casey's pointless. And if Casey had been sent to Japan with them, you think it would have been? He would have had less to do there because it's super busy, and that—that's all of our main characters are already there. Everybody's there. Yeah. I think he had more to do here in New York. Is what I'm talking yeah, about. Here. Yeah. yeah. And don't get me wrong, I loved every scene he was in. Yeah. No. All that stuff. Was <laughs> Those great. are some of the best parts of the I, movie. Yeah. I loved all the Casey Jones stuff. I love that he's showing them hockey and snacks. They're just eating, like, cheese puffs. Like, what is yeah. this? Uh, and I love that he <laughs> wants to teach them how to play hockey. They just end up fighting because that's that's what they took away from it. The choreography in this is still great. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they went, like, above and beyond. Maybe they knew what the complaints of the last movie was were, you know? Yeah. Because they seem to really go all out. In like in in the fights, the fighting I almost want to say is better than in the first movie, just tech technically speaking. It it might be. Yeah, I think the first one was shot a lot better, so it seems better. Yeah, but I think you might be right. I think when you compare stunt like, for stunt, yeah, when you look at the actual stunts and the martial arts being used, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. it might be. Yeah, again, there was some stuff where Donatello's just like just going all out with the staff, and I was like, I didn't see you doing this before. And you know, they're like making contact and stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some actual sword fighting. Yeah. Um, so and it, that's cool. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the first movie, like we said, where they're using their weapons in a smart way where they know how to not hurt someone if they don't want to hurt them. You know? Yeah. I love that they go back in time and have no qualms about messing with history. <laughs> it's not brought up once. It, it's also not explained how those rules work. Sure. <laughs> like most time travel movies. Yeah. But I think they're just like, oh, no, like. We're already a part of history. Clearly, we've done clearly this we've done this already, and we're yeah, <laughs> which is never explained. That's something yeah. I don't like. There's a lot of hanging threads that are never. Yeah, I wish they would have said like, "Oh my god!" Like, I think we come back because <laughs> this is clearly us, you know, in these drawings. Yeah, but then like we were sort of getting at there are themes in this movie. There are, which is nice because the first one was good with themes the second one had none it had little inklings of one uh, almost the second one this one is very much about like home and belonging and appreciation and like a little bit of self-worth and it, there's a little bit of the grass is always greener on the other side but that's not your home right you know because even the japanese guys are like we love new york like why would we want to go back they have it's like, all kinds of food because you have to tv fun or whatever and the turtles are in japan and they're like this is amazing. We don't want to go back. Right. But given more time, they'd probably all be like, no, we need to go back. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're out of time at that point. It's interesting that Splinter isn't super involved in this because I think a lot of times they default to Splinter on like what they should be feeling and believing. Right. You know, because he is their father figure. He's their he's mentor. He's also their sensei, yeah. mentor. And he's not with them throughout this whole film. He's just hanging out with Casey, chilling. <laughs> he's literally just, like, chilling in a chair the whole time, telling people to calm down. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do a whole lot. Also, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his uh, puppet isn't as good. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. then it's a different actor. They it's a whole different have thing. him do too much movement. Yeah, I think they're yeah. like, we're not just kind of write him out of this movie. But not having him around, I think they kind of are not focused on the right thing. Because Raphael 
is like we don't get at the beginning of the movie he does say like why are we even training for what we don't do anything you know <laughs> I, now that the foot are gone like what's their purpose why are they ninjas they don't get to go fight crime they just train for no reason yeah and he's not wrong right <laughs> like they're not allowed to like you know be seen be appreciated and i think a bit of this is actually explored in the next movie too I don't remember that movie very well. I've seen it like twice, both in theaters. I think it's obviously after a time skip, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but we'll get to that. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I guess the turtles just kind of want more out of life, and they feel like they can get more in in Japan, which they probably could. They're not, yeah, they're probably not <laughs> wrong. But I think, yeah, not having Splinter there to kind of tell them the right thing, they they're left to do it on their own. They, they would be lacking guidance for sure. Yeah. Which I mean, they're still teenagers, so. That's true. The costumes. Way worse. Like, noticeably worse. worse. Noticeably worse. So they... Especially uh, with the face. Yes. So they didn't use Jim Henson, which is a Oh, and it's very obvious. (laughs) They used All Effects Company, which on Wikipedia I can't even click on, so... Oh, no. What does that mean? (laughs) They don't have their own page. Should have stuck with Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Yeah. They're still doing shit today. No, seriously. In a still image, they might look the same as the previous movie. In it, motion, it's, they do it not falls apart. At yeah, they're not as as well painted. They look just kind of one shade of green instead of. They look very more fake. natural. They look yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have bigger spots on them. What I'm saying is that they're not as as detailed painted. Yeah, so they look real. They look very much like a costume. You can see the seam on on the necks between the helmet. Between yeah. the mask piece and the body piece, a lot more than you ever could in the last two movies. In the first movie, they did really good about hiding that. You know, you had to look for it. And this one is just, it's there. It looks like, a, it just looks like a, you know, like a like a costume that you, you get out of a fucking store or like a Disney costume where you can see where they would take their helmet off, you know? Or the rubber mask from uh, Batman Returns. Yeah, he just rips off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you haven't thrown in a Ghost Rider reference yet. Uh, I can't find You can't think of one. Try to work it in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> Their faces don't move as much as they did in the last two movies. Because, again, this would have well, been... A... Yeah, it's like just mouth movement. Yeah. And even then, bit. it's just like... It's just not as much movement as before. Where, like, you know, their eyes are moving, their mouths are moving... In a lot of ways. By the second movie, they had more motors and servers in their faces. Right. So they could accentuate more. Our problem with that movie was that they made the overall look look more kid-friendly. A little too... Cuter. They went a little too far with it. Yeah. It was yeah. a little too cute. And this, it's almost like they regressed because they used this different company. The, in the beginning, there's a scene where each of them are doing like martial arts moves. Their faces don't move at all during that. <laughs> Like, they're doing all these flips and whatever, and their faces are just kind of just perfectly still. Still face. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What's what's the point here? And the splinter puppet looked horrible. <laughs> Which is why they just had him just kind of sitting down most of the time. Yeah. In the first movie, it looked great. And yeah. in this one, it looks like shit. And so, in the first one, he fought. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. And he and he lit a match. <laughs> he he did, which we said was very ballsy of them to do. Yeah. Because that's probably a very flammable costume. So, ah, man, huge mistake there. For the most part, like, once the movie starts and you kind of accept that this is what they look like, you can kind of, like, not you, notice it as much. You can look past much. it, but... 
as soon as they showed him on screen, I'm like, this looks noticeably worse than the other two movies. Yeah. It's almost like, why not just use the same prop? Recycle the same one. one. Yeah. Like, use the same one from the first movie. The movie would be so much better if you just used those. Now, I will say, it does not look as bad as the live action Ninja Turtles show. Because those costumes are terrible. I think they just borrowed these costumes for that Did show. they? I, I, I want to say so. I think they, they used <laughs> leftover stuff from these. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Because they didn't look good no, in no, that yeah, show. I, I think they're literally these same ones. And that's the show that has, I think, the female turtle for some reason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they team up with the Power Rangers I can look once. Up real quick. Oh, the series loosely follows the continuity of the 1990s live-action oh, film trilogy. Oh, no. Do we have to watch it? Oh, no. Shredder's alive. Oh, that's weird. We have to look into this because it's... I don't think it has a movie. There's only 26 episodes. Yeah, but maybe we just watch it and we can recap it. I have it. a blurb about it. Yeah. <laughs> if it's part of the continuity... <laughs> I kind of want to watch. I've never seen any of this Saban show. Entertainment. So it's made by the same dude that did Power Rangers anyway. Yes, that's why they had a That's a why they had the crossover. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't watch... The series is partly based on a never-released fourth film in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film series titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 The New Mutation. We might have to review some of this. Is this basically the fourth movie? That's a whole thing. Oh, man. Venus de Milo was the the fourth turtle. Okay. Yeah. Even though Venus de Milo... Where does she come from, though? Even though Venus de Milo is a piece of art. (laughs) (laughs) She was just named after a piece of art? Yeah. And it's not from the Renaissance. It's 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 more ancient than that. Venus de Milo. They they found Venus de Milo. There's no artist for to attribute. Oh, nobody knows yeah. who. I've seen Venus de Milo. It's really good. It's the one missing the arms. Oh, the uh, statue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, I'm interested. Yeah, seriously. Um. Okay. So anyway, so costumes. They could have done a lot better. It, it, bad costumes. Terrible bad costumes. <laughs> so there's a lot of this movie where I feel it's a step up from the last one. Yeah, but then there's a lot of things that story are... theme, yeah, uh, action. The costumes is a big step back. That's a like yeah, huge step backwards. It's like um, a leap backwards. Yeah, and then the the premise is a step backwards. But all in all, I don't know. I feel like this is not that bad. And no, I, I like that. and that's why I put it like about on par with the second one for different reasons. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and it has technical problems, and that's almost unforgivable. Oh, the, the editing in this movie yeah, 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 is yeah. significantly worse as yeah. well. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. Is this not made by the same people? I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I don't know. But the, It might not you, have been, You actually. should not see that. You should not see, like, problems in the sound, jump cuts. That kind of thing shouldn't be in a movie of, of this budget. Especially when the previous movies had better filmmaking. It's the first one absolutely did. This one's a good movie. So, that's kind of all I have. You got anything else on there? Nah, I'm pretty good on that. Alright, I feel like I'm a little underprepared for Keeper Cancel, but I thought for Keeper (laughs) Cancel uh, this time, we could talk about Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, the creators of Ninja Turtles. That could be fun. We don't really have anyone else to talk about. No, there's nobody interesting in this movie that we haven't already talked about. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know anything about these guys? Uh, I just know that they were fans of Daredevil. Clearly. Um, so I heard a podcast where they interviewed Peter Laird and I thought it was super interesting because these guys were just nobodies. Like they had regular jobs. They're just like you and me. 
and they both wanted to be um, comic book creators. Okay. Again, the pot, the interview was with Peter Laird, and he just kept on saying, like, when he was a kid, you know, he would just go and after school, buy a bunch of comics, read them on the stoop at the comic shop, and then go home. And they were mostly com like Marvel comics. Silver all Age. Here is all that fucking guns fire from Band of Brothers. <laughs> is it throwing you off? It is. <laughs> So he said you you know read a bunch of Jack Kirby stuff. If you say you want to you know do art, do a comic, people are much more supportive of the arts now. Yeah. Than they were before. You'd get laughed out of school if you said you wanted to make comic books. He didn't do it professionally, but you know he would tell his teachers like, no, that's you know I want to make comic books. How do I do that? Most of his teachers. You don't want said, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Most of his teachers said like, yeah, don't do that or whatever. And then one said, okay, that's interesting. Now, if you want to draw comics, I assume that you can draw characters pretty well. Great. Don't do that. I want to see you. <laughs> I would like for you to draw me background stuff, a room, like a desk, walls, perspective, objects. That's true. On... Stuff like that's actually important in the comic book. Exactly. Because you're drawing more. The environment. Than... Yeah. You're, you're, you have to draw the whole picture, yeah. obviously. So practice that kind of stuff. Chairs, beds, tables, bookshelves objects all that and bring it back to me on monday and, and we'll work from there like an okay. art teacher said that to him and i was like that's good advice so true that's great yeah. advice like that's all the stuff that people you know maybe don't practice as much when they're you know drawing it's comics. like even if you make a background you're right when you're drawing a comic book you're drawing the whole panel you're making a scene oh, you're yeah. not just drawing a character you can't just do the character and nothing in the background now there are comics that do do that right but that's great great for them <laughs> But when you have a comic like the Ninja Turtles, the setting is is a lot. Yeah. You know, the sewers and the rooftops and New York and whatever. Which is why this movie was so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so later on, Peter comes up with the idea for Ninja Turtles. And he gets together with, I don't, I don't really know too much about their relationship, Peter and Kevin Eastman. But they get together to do Ninja Turtles. Kevin Eastman comes up with the idea, like he makes drawings for him, he sends them back, and he added Teenage Mutant on it. <laughs> like just to the title? To the title on top of Ninja Turtles. And he was like, oh shit, I like that. It, it's almost, it's one of those things where it's like, so on the nose, you know, but it works. You're literally saying what they are. <laughs> in one, and we said this, in four words, what more do you need to know? That is all you need to know about these characters here. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, yeah. He just kind of wanted to play into the ridiculousness of it because this all started as a joke. Like, this was a parody of Daredevil, a parody of Ronin. They really like Frank, Frank Miller. Miller fans, yeah. Right? Who, uh, who was a very edgy. And it was just, these comics are super edgy. They, they're they super are. dark. Um, they're right up my alley. I really need to read them. I, the first, <laughs> I read the first two issues. They're, they're honestly pretty good. Uh, they hold up. And I really want to get into the, uh, the, the new stuff, the IDW stuff. And we were talking about the last Ronin. Um, Which is still ongoing? Series. It's still ongoing. Okay. Where there's a time jump. It, it kind of jumps into the future where all the turtles except one are dead. And you have one turtle left and he's avenging the deaths of all his brothers. And you don't know who it is because he has all their weapons. And, and the, is slowly... the comic in black and white? No, or no, no, is no, he's, he's not wearing a mask? He, I think he's wearing like a different outfit. Oh, okay. And you slowly figure out who it is based on... The context and by showing flashbacks of all their other brothers dying 
and how they died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's crazy gruesome. Um, well, the from what I understand, this entire comic book series is crazy gruesome. Yeah, but I'm talking about the IDW one, which is the recent one. Okay. It's not the original run. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so they make this comic, the first issue, for fun. And they print it out using just some money that they had, whatever, uh, on their own. And they, you know, sell it to comic book stores nearby. They made 3,000 issues. And they thought, cool, we did our thing. That's the end of it. And then they started <laughs> made a getting, comic book. Yeah, we made a comic book. Then they started getting calls back for like from comic book shops being like, hey, when is issue two coming? People are asking about this. They sold out. So when are you coming out with another one? And they were like, oh, shit, no way. So they made a second one. They made 15,000 issues of the second one. Mm-hmm. Sold super well. And at that point, they made $2,000 in profit each. Nice. You think about that. It's okay. Not what is this nineteen eighty something? It's in the eighties. I mean, that's a decent amount of even, money. Even pretend it's three thousand to four thousand dollars. Like it's that's nice. That's not enough to like quit your job. No, it's over. not life changing. Well, anything. they quit their jobs. Oh, <laughs> they said great. We don't need to work our dead end jobs anymore. Let's quit and do comics full time. And they did. And it worked out well for them. Awesome. I assume. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously they're millionaires now. But it's all it's such an awesome story when you think about it because it's right. like imagine if you get the opportunity to do your the thing you're passionate about and then boom it explodes and you can say fuck my job like <laughs> call your boss I'm, I'm out. done I'm not I'm coming in I'm a comic in. book artist now Yeah I'm not coming in Monday morning screw you <laughs> like that's that there's something sweet there you know Yeah I'm glad that it actually worked out for them and they weren't like manipulated into like selling the license or something or that's how a lot of or getting it taken away from them and they make no money off of it even though they're the creators well they had the fortune of not working for a huge company because if you worked for dc or if you were for marvel that's how that becomes their property it's their property and you are just an employee doesn't matter what you come up with right and And that's how it is working for any big company at all well, yeah, but that's still happening. People think that happened back in the day for um, like the Superman creators and Bill right. Finger and these guys back in the 40s. But the those seemed like super isolated cases where they were like blatantly screwed over by someone. No, I'm saying this still happens. The, oh. guy, the guy who wrote um, Winter Soldier. So mm-hmm. Winter Soldier is a character variation on Bucky Barnes. Right. right. Bucky Barnes is a character that's existed since 19... 19- 41. When what, was it that we said that? 40. Something I think it like was that? 41. It yeah, was like yeah. right before we joined the war. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Like 41. But in the 80s or 90s, it was something Brubaker, this comic book writer, who took that character who had died back in the day and brought him back and rewrote him as the Winter Soldier. Right. Okay. He did a cameo appearance in one of the Captain America movies. Okay. He makes more money. From his cameo appearance than he does as the creator of the Winter Soldier. That sucks. Think about that, that for a second. That sucks. <laughs> like, the bare minimum <laughs> salary, royalties, whatever, for being in that movie. He makes more from that. Than he does than off he of. Than he does from making Winter Soldier. He couldn't get into the premiere of the movie of, like, the Civil War, some movie. The only reason he got in was because... Sebastian Stan saw him and got him into the premiere or like an after party or something. He had to be like, do you know like who this saw guy him is? And recognized yeah, him? Because he wasn't like on the list. He couldn't get in. Okay. And Sebastian Stan was like, this is the guy who wrote the character. He's my guest. We're getting in. <laughs> uh, it was either a premiere or something. It, what a cool guy. I mean, sure. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but my point is, even today, Marvel is still treating 
they're comic creators kind of like shit. Right. You know, and he he's had this whole interview before Bucky and the Winter Soldier. Bucky and the Winter Soldier. I keep saying that. Falcon and the Winter Soldier <laughs> came out over this because he was like, I mean, it's nice that my character is blah, blah, blah. And the show looks great and it's going to be fine. But it still hurts that the way that they treat me and, and this character is making them billions of dollars. He's like unrecognized. But like, I'm not seeing any of that money. And yeah. he's very honest about it. And well, and yeah, I'd be upset too. So anyway, these guys, Laird and Eastman, they own this property. Do outright. they still to this day? No, they sold it to Nickelodeon. Oh, oh but, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they, sold they it to did. Nickelodeon. <laughs> but my point is they couldn't get screwed over because, you know, they didn't work for a company. They worked for themselves. Right. They opened up a comic studio called Mirage Studios because... I, I recognize it, that name. Mirage because it's a Mirage. It doesn't exist. There's no office and like right. people working there. It's just them making comics out of their garage. <laughs> That's the Mirage. That's clever. Yeah. So anyway, you know, they do this and obviously Ninja Turtles like explodes. Yeah. Between the movies, the cartoons, that fucking stage traveling thing that we <laughs> talked about where they were uh, making rock music. I read somewhere, I want to say I read it today actually, where they had an interview with one of the creators and he was saying like, while he's happy about the success that Ninja Turtles has had, he does wish that it didn't become like a kid's property. Might have been Eastman because Kevin Eastman got tired of Ninja Turtles. And these guys, it's nice to believe that they're best friends, but they're not. They're just guys that made this together yeah. you know, 30 some years ago and have kind of they're, not they're kept they're in touch. Yeah. They kind of haven't kept in touch that much since. In 2001, Eastman was kind of done with this and he sold his shares to Peter Laird. Okay. He got He's like, hey, this is yours now. Yeah. He didn't want anything to do with it. He wrote different comics. He gets his royalties, I'm sure, still. Surely he still gets royalties. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but, sure they, they worked something out to where. Yeah. But also, he did this in 2001, you know, probably around the time that. 20 years ago. Probably around that time that second cartoon was like almost over or just beginning. I think it was about to. The one that's like slightly more edgy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. one. I think it, that one came out in 2003. Yeah, exactly. So he kind of missed out on a lot of Ninja Turtle stuff. That he could have cashed in on. <laughs> he could have cashed in on and he could have had some creative input on it. Apparently he did come back. So he came back. He had some creative input on the two new movies. The Michael Bay produced he, ones. Yeah, those. Okay. And because so their comic run ended after like 20 years. The original uh, Ninja Turtles. The comic, Mirage yeah, comic run. Those ended. IDW, which was a different comic company set out to make a new Ninja Turtles. And that run has been going on for Probably several like years now. And that's the current new Ninja Turtle comic books. Okay. Right? Once those happened, Kevin Eastman reached out because he's like, hey, this interests me. Like, you guys are trying to make more serious, less kid-friendly, whatever, uh, Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah. So he's actually involved in those. Okay. Even though he sold his shares, he's a nobody now. He's like a consultant. Yeah, but he also writes and draws for them too. Oh, okay, so he's he's he pretty just, involved. With he's those. happy that it's getting like dark and edgy again. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he obviously has a lot to do with Last Broden, which is super dark and edgy, right? But then uh, Peter Laird also sold all of it to Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon outright. Well, I'm sure he got a pretty lucrative deal out of it. Oh my god, these guys are millionaires. <laughs> Probably Peter more than Kevin, but well, because he held onto it a little bit longer yeah, and sold yeah. to Nickelodeon. Yeah, so. All in all, these are two guys in dead-end jobs who pursued their passion for just a minute 
you know, just one time they took a leap of faith and then were able to quit their jobs and are now, you know, millionaires. And, and the they're... creators of like something that's a staple to a lot of kids. And adults. Yeah, and, all and kinds adult, of kids and adults. Yeah. We're, Pop we're... culture icons. Are we not sitting in this room talking for the third time about Ninja Turtles for <laughs> hours? And we're going to talk about it a few more times, too. Exactly. Like this is a big, big, big thing. And so good for them because you don't see, like we said, you don't see these kind of success stories in comics no. uh, like these guys had. They had the most ridiculous idea <laughs> and they turned it into this. And half... the first issue was just like a parody, basically. It was a joke. They thought yeah. it was going to be a joke, you know, and they turned it into this half a billion dollar like <laughs> thing. And know? is that why the first issue is like a complete story? Because like that's all they intended to write? Well, and he even said he was like. We didn't want to be that comic that kept on bringing characters back to life. So okay. in the first issue, they kill Shredder. And then 10 issues later, they brought him back to life because they're like, well, they, that's our best villain. They probably also didn't know at the time. That oh, it no. Was, that's yeah. One, yeah. It was a very finite comic book. Right. They brought back Shredder. They after brought he back got, Shredder. He's after the, he blew up. <laughs> I mean, he's clearly the best villain. So Yeah. I definitely want to read a lot more of those comic books. From I'll send you the link. I'd be interested in the origin of like uh, Krang and stuff. Yeah, for sure. You can, and all those are free online. But I do also want to read the IDW stuff, the new stuff, because it looks really good. There's a lot of Batman crossovers. Yeah, are is IDW like an offshoot of DC? I don't know. Or are they also owned by Warner Brothers? They because be. I know the Ninja Turtles were also characters in Injustice too. That you could play as. Oh, were they really? Yeah, they were DLC characters. It might have been a licensing thing. We can look it up real quick. But then, like, all the Ninja Turtle stuff's also on HBO along with all the DC stuff. Yeah. Okay, so they have a partnership, and that's why there's crossovers between the two, I guess? Yeah, they're independent. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, they have crossover with Batman a few times, and there was even a, a movie. An animated one of, movie. One of those DC animated Ninja movies. Ninja Turtles and Batman. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it. It seems interesting. Yeah. So... Keep these are two guys that just yeah, they, you know, made they followed their dreams, literally made their dreams come true. Yeah, just a little bit of hard work yeah, and faith. Keep right? them. Yeah. No, obviously it was this was always a keep, but <laughs> I just think this is a cool story. So, so that's it. Let's do our final thoughts and whether we're gonna put this movie into the Phantom Zone or not. As I've said, like my final thoughts are pretty much the same thoughts that I've had throughout. It's on par. This movie specifically, I'd say on par with the second one. Yeah. For, for different reasons, overall. obviously. Overall, though, yeah. Yeah. Like we said, there's many things about this movie that's better than the second one. Mm-hmm. But they also took a lot of steps back with other things that are kind of a big deal in a visual medium like a movie. Like having the super shitty costumes. Yeah. It kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Um, The bad editing, jump yeah. cuts, stuff like that. Like. It's almost like from a filmmaking perspective, this movie took like five steps backwards. But from a writing perspective, it took a few steps forward. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Because, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, thematically, this movie is better than the last one. Character-wise, it's better than the last one. I think story-wise, they wrote a much better story yeah. than the last one. But it, it does exist within this like very 90s time travel premise that i'm like did we have to do and, this and a bit of that makes it like fall flat a little yeah. bit i think and i think yeah okay premise aside like it's still like it still works for me like it's almost like yeah don't think too much about the time travel you know what i mean because it is interesting to put them in japan 
that like yeah. the outcome is interesting even if that mechanic is the, weird the way we and, got there was a little uh, yeah no but you're there. absolutely right filmmaking wise this is inferior to the first one by far uh and the second one i i would say they're on par like <laughs> i would never say this one is way worse than the second one no and a lot of people say this is just like way worse than the other is worse than the trilogy yeah. i'm like it's, no, it's it's about what it's about I expected yeah. from the trilogy. Actually, it's about the same as the second one overall. Yeah. I, there's a lot of things I liked in this one a lot better than the second one. There's a lot better action in this one. I mean, they're using their weapons. When you go to see like a kung fu movie, your main thing you want to see is good kung fu. Yeah, you know what I mean. Good fight choreography. It's not like it's a more about that than it is sometimes a story. You know, and I think for the Ninja Turtles, you can say something similar. Where I'm like, I want to see really good fights and action pieces and I want to see the turtles kick butt. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that's important to me. And I don't want to see bad action. And I think this one delivers a lot better than the last one. Okay. There's good story beats. There's characterization in these turtles. Again, I think that's an improvement over the last one. Cause I completely agree with you, but I think those things are worth a little bit more than the costumes being bad. Oh well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like those are things that, yeah, it sucks and it looks bad, but I will forgive it if the story's good and I'm having fun with the characters. And, and you did. Yeah. And I like, and I did exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to say that I, I might put this a notch higher than the second movie. I think my nostalgia for the second movie is what's keeping me from doing that. <laughs> I'm doing it in spite of my nostalgia. Cause I was very nostalgic for the second one, but not right. at all for this one. <laughs> but I wish, as a kid, I, I wish I had watched this one more because I'm like, there's a lot to enjoy here, you know? Yeah. The gags are fun. Uh, like, the jokes are funny. They land. And, like, all three movies, like, as a whole, like, as a whole, this is a good trilogy of movies. Yeah. I Yeah. I mean, the first one is by far the best. But. Yeah. As a trilogy, yeah, yeah. you're right. It, it has been fun. We haven't been, like, miserable. This hasn't no, been one of no, those. no, no, no. And I'm having a good time. I do think you probably liked this movie a little bit more than I did. But that's not to say that I didn't like the movie, you know? Yeah, you're right. So, Phantom Zone or no? Oh, no. Absolutely yeah, not. No. This We've seen much worse movies than this. Yeah. Like Ghost Rider. Ah, you did it. <laughs> I think this is like the exact movie, and I've said this before, that this <laughs> podcast is for. Like a movie that... I just trusted all the talk about, all the mm-hmm. critics about that. I'm like, oh, this is by far the worst of the trilogy. Never watch it again. And so I never watched it. You know? Is that Assuming... what we did with the Captain America movies too? We, like, we just a heard so bit. many bad things about yeah. it. We just didn't well, care. those movies I also didn't know existed. So that was a step below. <laughs> That's true. But for the, I mean, this is something that I just, I knew existed. I've seen it as a kid. I right. owned it. I had this movie on VHS. It gets a lot of bad talk. It gets online, a lot of though. bad, yeah. I don't think it's very deserving because it's only a little bit worse or better than the last one, you know, depending on depending yeah. on how you look at it. Yeah. This is a movie you should absolutely pull back up and make your own decision on. Especially if you watch the other two. Like, Especially if you like them. Like yeah. if, you, if you already like Ninja Turtles, you're already primed to like this more than you might hate it. You yeah. know? Yeah. So there's have, not a lot to hate in this movie. No, nah, there's little things. No. But like, absolutely give this a watch. Like, don't listen to the detractors saying that. This is the worst of the series. Okay, maybe, but not by that much if it is, is all I'm saying. It's still a very, very passable film. Absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot to like here. So give me your own opinion. If you listen to us talking about this and you go out and watch this film, let us know. 
you know how to contact us. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> so that's it for us. Anything else you got on this? Nah. All right, cool. We're just... <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's been it for us, guys. Thank you so much yep. for listening. What? I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, no, we're <laughs> supposed to. I skipped the part where we say what movie we're doing next week, Birdo. Next week, it's we're doing uh, TMNT, which is the animated sequel, kind of. Yeah. It's a loose sequel to this movie. It's very loosely a sequel. Yeah. And, we don't um, usually do animated films. No, we don't. That's part of our like rules because there are way too many of them. <laughs> Live action films that are based on superheroes and comic books. So no Power Rangers because those are not based on comic books. Which is unfortunate because there are comic books based on Power Rangers. Yeah, but that goes the other way around. <laughs> I know. And then no like superheroes. Or no, he's, I said no that. like no, uh, comics those that DC aren't. animated movies that, or comic books that aren't. I was going to say comic books that aren't superheroes. So like Archie comics. Archie. <laughs> like, there's movies that are based on those. You there's know. also shows. Exactly. So, like, none uh, so, of that. So, we're not watching uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Exactly. <laughs> That's not that bad of... It, it is a bad movie. It's not a good movie. But it's an interesting movie, by the way. <laughs> I watched it recently. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but we are obviously making an exception for this upcoming one TMNT. because it's it's in the same continuity the, as this trilogy. The creators of that film said that it yep. takes place within this universe. Yeah. Therefore... It's it's, kind, it's fair it game. Stu- yeah, it's, it's and it was here. a you know it was a theatrical release and every like it was released as a normal yeah. movie. It's it wasn't like a directed DVD DC animated film or anything like that. You know. Yeah, and that's why there's a ton of those. There's no point in getting into all no, the animated it's movies. Too many it's, of those, and a lot of them are a lot of DC ones are good. A lot of the Marvel ones are bad. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, I agree with you. So that is next week. T M N T. Which just was 2007? 2007, yeah. It's just the abbreviation. Uh, and that is available on HBO Max. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to watching one. that one again. And too, it has a lot of talent in it. Sarah and Michelle Gellar, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Kevin Smith. Yeah. I think Patrick Stewart's in that movie. There's a lot of talent in there. So I'm Especially considering it was an animated movie. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to what, what to do for Keep yeah. It Cancel. And I actually remember watching that one in theaters because I was pretty young when that came out. I was a senior in high school and I went to see it with a friend and I went to an empty theater and I was so disappointed that there wasn't more excitement about this. But it's kind of yeah. because I think it was animated. I think if I it think was live action, more, theater would have been packed. Well, it would have been packed with people your age. Yeah. Yeah. But because it's animated, you it, know, people it, were it like... It was probably trying to reach a younger audience again. Yeah. And I just remember looking around being like, this is disappointing. Like, I remember I watching, the only one I remember watching the movie and not being disappointed in the movie, but obviously we'll get to that next week. I remember actually kind of liking the movie. so Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I don't remember too much about it. But Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to that piano dude for a musical intro. Make sure you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And I don't know what other platform takes ratings and reviews. Uh, if you have Spotify, just make sure you uh, hit that download button on our episode. Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't know Spotify. if that helps us, but I don't know. Um, guys, make sure to tell a friend, please. Please and thank you if you did tell a friend. That's how people listen to podcasts. They don't listen to advertisements. They listen to who your friend is listening to a podcast. Yeah, so, word of mouth is nice. It's a big deal. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone, and you can find us on Twitter at Films from PZ. If you want to argue with us, if you think we're stupid. 
if you don't like our opinions, go on Twitter. We are so happy <laughs> to argue back with you. You can also yell at us while we stream this live on Twitch. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. We <laughs> record all our episodes on Twitch live. It's not the same experience because we mess stuff. We start like that. We mess we, up. We mess up. <laughs> uh, we re-record stuff. We stutter sometimes. Yeah. We cut a bunch of shit out. We burp. We burp. We drink. We talk to Sable. We play with my dog. We do a lot of things that get cut out of the final product. If you want to be there, talk with us live while we're recording this. Maybe you bring up an excellent point that you know we end up working into our episode. All that is part of the fun that we have live here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash films from, films from PZ. PZ. Yeah, I thought I was going to fuck that up again, but I didn't. <laughs> All our episodes are available on YouTube. If that's how you like to consume podcasts, hey, we're on there. And if you like the show, you want to support the show, you can support us on Patreon. We're still figuring that out. So not I don't even know how it there. works, really, to be honest. Eh, I know people can subscribe and give you money that's, oh, okay. that's why we're there so all right that's why we're there <laughs> hey man stuff costs money so if that's something you if you like what you get from us you want to show us some support that's where you can show support yeah, these things are cheap these mics they're oh, very yeah. expensive <laughs> <laughs> other than that guys we will see you next week with tmnt 2007 available on hbo max hell yeah hell yeah i've been arnaldo i've got birdo here with me yup and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.